You're listening to Radio Sega, and this is the Sega Lounge. Sit back, have a drink, and enjoy the conversation. everyone and welcome to the Sega Lounge on Radio Sega. Hello lovely people, I'm KC. I'll be your host and joining me this week I have I Need Fruit. Hello. Hey, I always feel the need to like applause myself there. That's really not a cool thing to do, is it? I'll do it. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, thank you. That's much better. Yeah. Yeah. Hello KC, thanks for having me on the show again. Always a pleasure, always a pleasure. <laughs> Uh, and so we, we have a great show, I think, for everyone this week. Um, not only do we have a great interview, which we'll talk about in a bit, we have another edition of Memories of Sega with Winners You, so look forward to that. Um, and speaking of the interview, who do we have this week? I need fruit. Uh, well, we have the guys uh, behind the game Mutant Football League, MFL for short, that's uh, Michael Mendheim and Casey Rob McCallum. <laughs> this is good teamwork, very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so we, have, we have the guys on the show this week. We've been talking about this Kickstarter project for a few weeks now on the Sega Lounge, um, and we decided to get the guys on the show just you know, to get some more info on the project, on the game itself. Uh, it was a really, really fun time we had with with, with Michael and, and Rob, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fun project, so you should all uh, check it out on Kickstarter and back it. Uh, we will talk about when we, you know, return after the interview for the After Hours segment. We will talk about how the project is doing with a few more days to go. So mm -hmm. um, don't don't forget to tune in for that as well, and um, and yeah, it's it's I think it's going to be a fun one this week. Um, but we usually start with the news, so I think it's time we give it up for our sweet soul brother Shannon with the news desk. News desk. Hello and welcome to the Sega News Desk. This week was a little lower positive. Well, my mic is missing. But today I have various types of news. Starting off with the Sega and Atlas's E3 floor plans being leaked. This year, Sega and Atlas are going to be at E3 2017. And this time it's going to be divided into three different portions. Sega of America, Sega of Europe, and of course, Atlas. <laughs> On the section of announcements, Pokemon and Neural back in the groove is heading to Nintendo Switch! This week Nintendo actually hosted their indie showcase and Pokemon and Neural back in the groove was one of the games featured. And of course, they will be showing off the game at PAX East on Boston this year on March 10th to 12th. Red Infinite's latest patch has finally included PlayStation Move and improved audio and more. This includes, of course, compatibility with VR mode for the PlayStation Move motion controller which you can also remember was featured as Child of Eden, which was made by the same developers. And of course, minor fixes and etc. 
because uh, Zero has a new patch with uh, more content, which also released this week. It has new crafting packs and new costumes, so you can wear them free of charge. There was a new announcement where Wonderboy Dragon Strapper will feature both the HD version and the original 8-bit version with the old passwords, thanks to Lizardcube and Dotemu. Dotemu, of course, they are famous for various SNK boards and other games. And it is possible to switch between the HD version and the original Master System version, of course with their own tidbits on how they improve the technology for this. Shamu 1 and 2 HD remasters are supposed to be out in 2017. According to Rise Digital, they slated both games to be released together and are luckily being geared up for launch before Shamu 3. Finally, a Shamu composer has dedicated a new song for a deceased fan's memory. As the development of Shamu 3 continues, Ryuji Yuchi released a song entitled Winter Sunset which is dedicated to a Shenmue fan who unfortunately passed away in 2010 due to a medical condition. Roger Swan was an English teacher in Japan. During his stay, he's produced vlogs about his travels, and of course, one of them was his experience in the Wida, the setting of the original Shenmue game. You can hear the song on RadioSega.net. This has been chatted. You can follow me on Twitter at DarkwindPT and on Twitch at Darkwind underscore. See you all next week. So that was Shedded with the News Desk, the second news of the week. Thank you very much, Shedded. And, you know, don't forget to join us on Discord, by the way. I always forget this part, but join us on Discord, radiose.ga slash Discord. Uh, join us there for some fun times. Uh, tweet at Radio Sega if you prefer. Use the hashtag the Sega Lounge. And, you know, let's, let's just enjoy some music. And we'll be right back with our interview with Michael Minheim and Rob McCallum of Mutant Football Leagues. This is the Sega Lounge right here on Radio Sega.
is the Sega Lounge on Radio Sega. Come on in and have a seat. Welcome back to the Sega Lounge right here on Radio Sega. And this week we have a very special interview for you guys. It's our honor to welcome to the Sega Lounge Michael Mendheim and Rob McCallum. Hello! Hey, thank you. You guys are too kind. Yeah, thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, this is Wicked. So glad that we can be here to chat with you guys just for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. It's our pleasure to to welcome you to to the show. Uh, so before we we get into things, uh, would you like to you guys like to introduce yourselves a bit more and talk about your history with video games and how uh, you you got into the industry and all that? Okay, sure. Um, I'll start. I'm Michael Menheim. I started in the industry by basically doing uh, illustrations. I was doing illustrations for game box covers, and that eventually led me into character design. And from character design, I went into level design. And before I knew it, I was designing games. I started the industry back in the NES days, so I've been, you know, I've been around for a while, and I've worked on a variety of different titles. And um, it's just, you know, I'm very happy and fortunate to be in the industry, and I love where it's headed. You see how unfair it is when you go first, Michael? This is like, how am I supposed to follow that? That's ridiculous. Come on. There's nothing there. Oh, there's nothing there. Years of industry experience working at Sunsoft doing box cover and game design. No big deal. No big deal. And of course, you're here talking about Mutant Football League, which is awesome. Yep. Um, Yep. Here's my short version that doesn't compare with Mr. Mendheim. Uh, I'm a documentary filmmaker for... And foremost, I've done films such as Nintendo Quest, Box Art, a gaming docuseries, which is coming out, which is where I met Michael. And I also have projects on uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe called Power of Skull, the heavy metal rock band Kitty, awesome. and a few other things here and there. And uh, it's been great working with Michael on this Kickstarter campaign. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I actually, before we started the interview, I was, I was doing a bit of research and I found out about Nintendo Quest, which, you know, we're really a Sega, but we can appreciate. Hey, I'm, uh, I grew other up companies. a Sega fan. Don't get me wrong, just because I made Nintendo <laughs> Quest, I got lots of Sega love. Yeah, can you can you tell people, uh, you know, uh, give a short description of Nintendo Quest because it's an awesome idea. Uh, well, essentially, Nintendo Quest tells the story of my friend Jay when I dared him to collect all 678 original NES games and 30 days without using the internet. So we crisscrossed all over North America to the best mom and pop shops in order for him to kind of uh, see he, see if he could get his dream, which was owning a complete library. And it's uh, a film that looks at the human condition to see how far someone's willing to go for that dream and what obstacles may or may not get in their way. Of course, it's a nice love letter to everything Nintendo and NES, too. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, sounds, sounds good. So, uh, by the way, Rob M. Rob McCallum Films.com. Yeah, that's where you can get your hands-on Nintendo Quest. If I'm not mistaken. plugs. There we go. It's comfy and there's lots of plugs. We've got all the plugs. (laughs) Who came up with the brilliant idea that you can't use the internet? I did. (laughs) I figured. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the challenge if you can use the internet, right? Well, I mean, you might as well have the guy driving blindfolded, too. (laughs) Well, we thought about it, but then we thought that might just be a little too far. 
just a little bit yeah <laughs> okay so um michael you you mentioned uh, you you started working uh, you know doing box art designs and, and whatnot um any specific games that you want to mention that you did the, the box art for sure I mean, maybe your first... favorite ones Uh, the first game I ever did, the first game I ever designed was a game called Fester's Quest, and uh, I designed that game, and I also did the box cover for that game. I did the box covers for many games off the top of my head. Um, I did Cyberball, I did Sky Kid, I did a whole bunch of... Um, Xenophobe. Xenophobe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. So you know, you, you started from a, a little a different place than most uh, game developers, I, I bet. So yeah, maybe but that gives you a time, different perspective, right? Yeah, but at that time, I mean, development teams were very small. I mean, you know, two or oh, yeah. three people max, and the engineers were usually creating the artwork. So, um, you know, they had an artist around doing box covers and then they'd be like, uh, can you sketch this character for us? And I'd sketch the character and then the uh, engineer would like copy the art, you know, best he could using 12 pixels. And that's uh, kind of how I got into it. That's awesome. But it should be really <laughs> a, a surprise for anyone listening. If you look at some of those game covers that Michael's Uh, you know, responsible for for the kind of games that he likes to get into now. It's all always about a real visual storytelling experience. So you can easily draw the line. As much as it sounds different, just being an illustrator for you know a marketing tool, it ties exactly into who he's become right now as a game developer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. And so, what one of the games you worked on, obviously, was <clears throat> Mutant League Football, right? Oh yeah. So, What what is Mutant League football, by the way, for those living under a rock or something? Okay, so Mutant What's the premise? League, the the premise is very simple. It's wisecracking monsters and mutants that play the most violent game known to man, and uh, it's kind of like if you took NFL Blitz with monsters, mutants, chainsaws, and death, <laughs> and that's pretty much. <laughs> Was that on the a secret formula for what, which percentage of each of those? But it's it's yeah. lots. They're all over 100%. percent. <laughs> that should have been a quote on on the the box of the game or something. Especially the part with death. Yeah, I like it. No, no game is complete without enough death. We noted the death exactly. I no. mean, it, it's a simple uh, to play game that has a lot of depth and strategy about it. Um, so some people play the game, you know, to win by high score traditional sports games and then there's other people who play a more sinister version <laughs> of the game where they systematically decimate your team so yeah. like they try to kill off all your quarterbacks and if they can manage that then your team has to forfeit because they have nobody that can throw the ball that that was always <laughs> my strategy for sure i was always like well i'm not going to be able to do the plays that uh i don't I, As I'm from the UK, so I'm not really too familiar with um, American football. So my strategy was always to go out there and, uh, yeah, do some harm. And then if the ref disagrees, then kill the ref as well. So well, we, we have the whole killing the ref and bribing the ref thing in the game, too. So I'm sure you'll feel right at home. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. So Mutant League Football was released back in uh, 1993, if I'm not mistaken. 1993 the... on... The Sega Genesis. 
for the Sega Genesis, right? So uh, uh, an electronic arts game. Um, people, I think this is this is one of those classic games that people, you know, when they talk about, especially in the US, if I'm not mistaken, uh, when people talk about uh, the Genesis, they think of Mutant League Football. Um, how was it like to, to work on that game at that time? You know, you already said that the development teams were, were a little smaller than they are today. Uh, what challenges did you guys get to have to, to go through to complete the game and whatnot? Yeah, so when I was talking about like the two and three man dev teams, that was NES days. So when we were developing on Sega Genesis now, I mean, you're talking the, the teams were bigger, right? So on Mutant League, our team was about, I don't know, when we started six or seven guys by the time we finished it was you know double that wow. but clearly like the madden team doing sega genesis at ea i mean there were easily 30 people working on that game yeah, yeah. so um that kind of frames it and i went in and pitched an idea to trip hawkins at electronic arts and he greenlit it And we didn't have a big team and we didn't have a big budget, but we had a lot of heart and a burning designer to make the game. And uh, we spent about a little under two years on it. And um, then we released it and it was a number one hit and it eventually spawned a television show as well as a toy line comics and then a sequel called Mutant League Hockey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to ask about that. So why did you go from uh, football to hockey? How did that come about? Well, I think when we started Mutant League, um, because the first game was successful, um, we wanted to build a second game. And we just kind of look at what was doing well. And at EA that time, like the two hottest games were Madden and uh, NHL hockey, right? So um, hockey lends itself well to Mutant League because there's a lot of checking and fighting and whatnot in a hockey game. So it was kind of a natural transition to us. But within the development studio at its heyday, we were working on a number of different um, product lines for Mutant League. We were working on a basketball game. Oh, wow. We were working on a racing game. So... You know, we had a we had different titles in development. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. Okay. This story <clears throat> does have a tragic ending, by the way. Yeah, lay it on us then. <laughs> um, so, the game was doing reasonably well, uh, and EA changed their corporate strategy to you know making the mo the most realistic sports simulations you know in the gaming industry yeah, yeah. and they basically wanted to own that market and they did right mm -hmm. but mutant league was like the little bastard child that didn't fit into that <laughs> that strategy so they basically uh killed the product line and um you know it was great for ea because uh, they ended up making the world's greatest uh, sports games but bad for mutant league Yeah, yeah, yeah is, that's sad. It is that is a sad story, especially because you could see so much creativity in uh, Mutant League football and Mutant League hockey that it it 
yeah, that is a shame that they decided to go for just a pure realism angle on all their titles. For EA, that was the exact right strategy for them at the exact right time. They didn't do it to be mean or anything like that. I mean, it was just a corporate strategy, which, you know, proved out in time to be the correct strategy for those guys. Yes, yeah. And, and you, if they didn't make that move, we wouldn't be where we are today well, either. Yeah, I was about to um, say, you mentioned earlier on, Michael, that uh, you love where the industry is going. Uh it, were you um, referring to Kickstarter there and the, the idea of um, crowdfunding video games or were you um, talking about something else? No, I mean, I, I think that's awesome too because um, it gives, you know, uh, indie developers a chance to make a product, right? Mm-hmm. The big deal though is you got to make your product and you got to deliver your product. <laughs> if, if you're on Kickstarter and you collect money and you don't deliver, that's that's not good, right? And it hurts everybody else. Yeah, yeah. But as far as the industry, no, I love where the industry is going from where it's been to where it's going and moving into AR and um, you know just the zenith of games becoming more real and more art-like and more immersive, mm-hmm. better stories, characters emoting, all of that is um, fantastic to see, right? And as far as an entertainment industry, I believe video games generate more revenue than any other entertainment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's funny how you you guys you know with, with uh, Mutant Football League, <clears throat> so now you know, just jumping onto the Mutant Football League Kickstarter and everything. So you you went with um, you know a mix of realism and and you know fancy with with all the characters and uh, you know the craziness that people uh, grew to love about Mutant League Football. So. Why did you guys decide to go with this uh, sort of visual style for the game and not like more? You know, many people these days are, you know, doing new games with a retro style, a 2D style and everything. Why did you guys go with a, a more realistic approach for, for well, this one? So, um, you know, for us, we're not making a retro game. We're not trying to make a sequel to Mutant League Football. We're not trying to copy that. We're making a completely new, different game. Mm -hmm. However, this product wants to capture the spirit of the original game. The things that people love most about that original game... Yeah, we, we, we got that in this game, but we're... I mean, this game doesn't look, play, smell, taste anything like the original game this game's on steroids <laughs> however <laughs> what you loved about the old game like the humor the attitude the political incorrectness yeah all of that stuff is still in the game and players who have played the original game and loved it they played it in their childhoods they have played this game and they've given us a big thumbs up but we got new kids we got a new generation coming liking the game, playing the game, and to me, you know, that's what it's all about, right? I, I mean, I want to I wanna so badly meet the expectations of our core fan base, but on the other hand, I want to bring in new kids that have never even heard of the original game and get them laughing and screaming while they're playing it, and that's what it's all about. 
And I think the important thing, you know, with what you're saying, Michael, that people understand is it wouldn't have been enough to do like a new retro version of the game in order to go and take what worked before and put it on steroids and add all the more humor, add all the more gore, add all the dirty tricks and and basically make it like the rocket fuel ride we all want. It had to be a contemporary game that satisfied and took everything up a notch. You couldn't just done like a pixel aesthetic version and have that gore hit the audience in the way that it does now and really generate a lot of laughs with everything else that's thrown in the mix. This was the only way that this game could exist. And uh, everybody with Michael and his team have gone above and beyond making sure it's an excellent experience. Great, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes um, sense. It's, yeah, and we got Rob on with us and one of Rob's huge contributions to this product just so everybody understands you know what the hell's Rob doing here <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> Rob was instrumental in being the kind of strategist for our Kickstarter campaign so I reached out to Rob uh, looking for help prior to us um going on Kickstarter because my first experience on Kickstarter didn't go very well as a lot of people know. Yeah. It was a complete disaster. So, um, you know, I brought Rob on because I met Rob doing one of his documentaries and I showed him our old Kickstarter campaign and, you know, I can let Rob go on from there, but he's actually <laughs> the maestro of the whole Kickstarter campaign that we did. And that's what Rob brought to the table. Yeah, well, not everything should be on Kickstarter just because Kickstarter, you know, allows kind of anything to be there. And when I met with Michael while filming Box Art, the, uh, the docuseries on cover artists, illustrators, he showed me the game and like it just this was just such a no brainer to go back to Kickstarter. Like, it had to go back. And, uh, you know, Michael said he was committed, and he said, give him some time. And I gave him half of that amount of time before I started harassing him, and then harassed him days and days and days. <laughs> Didn't let up, and he said, look, Rob, I need some time. Finally said, okay. Went away, quietly in the darkness, had some tears. And then, thankfully, <laughs> he called me just after Christmas, and we started putting a, a strategy together. And it's uh, it's paid off. It's, it's great when you get to work and collaborate with people that understand and trust you and believe in their product and believe in what you've been able to do with other crowdfunding campaigns because it is such a venue for creative you know artists to get their stuff out there sometimes the only venue so uh we got lucky i think and we got uh, some fortunate support and uh it all goes back to the original vision of the game so you know probably a good time to say thank you to all the backers and everybody in the press who's been really sharing it with, like crazy amounts because they just love this game that much yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah, huge thanks to our community. And I was like scared to death to do it. And what even made everything 20 times more scary for us was our strategy. And our strategy was, you know, they have those $1 pledges. And those $1 pledges are usually these bullshit virtual hugs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And we said for $1, we're going to make a preview build i'm not going to call it a demo because a demo shouldn't have bugs and what we released definitely has bugs but we basically gave everybody a vertical slice of our game so we allowed them to play from like four teams in a certain play mode up until halftime and we just put the game out there for an hour yeah Mm -hmm. and you can test drive it 
you can see exactly where we are. It's pre-alpha. But I'll tell you what. I know the game is fun because I've taken it to Gen Con. I've taken it to PAX. And all I do is watch people laugh, scream, stand up, raise their arms. <laughs> are having the best time playing. Yeah. And I said, you know what? We're going to... We're going to sink or die with this demo. And my business partner, he didn't want us to put out the demo. <laughs> I was scared to death. The guy who's like, you know, you guys got to put the demo out. That was Rob. And... So he's to blame. <laughs> yeah, I'm to blame to let everybody kind of get their first crack of the game. You know, there's a lot of campaigns where people pitch from a couch and don't have anything to show. Mm-hmm. And then there's yeah. other campaigns where it's kind of done, but not quite ready to let people see a lot, whether it's a, you know, a film and they can just show a trailer or some gameplay stuff in the, in the case of a game. But this is that special tier three where you get a chance to kind of look at it or it's the product is so close to being done that it that it's that real and it's just not a hard sell because the risk is so low it just Mm -hmm. made way too much sense not to offer something for people right away because transparency is the number one asset of any crowdfunding campaign and uh we had the transparency in spades when we could say for a dollar you get to play the game you know today essentially yeah, yeah, that's an awesome idea. So, uh, you know, back in 2013, when you did the first one, the first Kickstarter project, project um, you didn't have anything to show, right? So the that's game wasn't correct. wasn't even, you know, you were almost done with the game at, at this point, or it's in well, alpha we, stage? We are, um, we are pre-alpha. We're hoping to hit alpha in the April, May timeframe. Uh, the last major component that we are working on right now is our online mode, which is you know one of the scariest, most technical features of the game. No, I'm sure, yeah. So we are doing that, and that was why we did the Kickstarter, um, because we were running very low on funding uh, for mm-hmm. ourselves, because we've been self-funding the game. So it's been very difficult for us, and uh, we needed we needed some help, and that's why we went to Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the game be um, beta this summer, and then uh, we're hoping to release the PC version around Halloween timeframe. Oh, perfect! And then the, the console versions around Super Bowl um, Sunday in 2018. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I remember I I, I backed the, the first one, and I remember getting um, an email a few weeks ago talking about this new campaign, and I thought to myself, what 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 changed? Uh, and uh, a lot of had changed. Everything. Since the, yeah, basically everything. Everything. Yeah. But you you said it was a disaster. It was that bad, you know. You, uh, over one thousand people backed the game, or backed the project back in in twenty thirteen. And you got one hundred and forty thousand dollars, so not that bad, but you know, not enough, right? For for what you were asking at the time. Um, it was a poorly designed campaign. We were building the product that the core community did not want, and they left mm-hmm. me no no uncertain terms that they did not like the style. They did not want a mobile game. They wanted a console version. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the look, the people, you know, this is their childhood game I'm messing with, right? <laughs> this is the game they grew up, that they loved, 
and here comes that idiot creator and he's gonna screw it all up and, um, <laughs> I took six months you know I went through the Kickstarter campaign I easily could have pulled it people were telling me just pull it I took my lumps because I learned like so much from talking to the community and you know getting yelled at by 80% of the community <laughs> But after, um, you know, I got out of my fetal position and licked my wounds and scraped myself up off the ground, I went out to, like, the angriest people and started to talk to them, you know, and just understand what the issues were. And, you know, they wanted the same thing I wanted that I didn't think I could do. And that was really, they wanted next-gen version of the game they grew up playing, the game they loved, and they want it to be on console. It has to be on console. And they just want it to have, you know, the spirit of the original. You know, they want to laugh. They want politically incorrect humor. They want to have the gore. And, you know, from that point on, it was just like, okay, so how are we going to do this? And, um, you know, we found a way. I must say, yeah. uh, when you see the game it's in motion... It's just like Jurassic well. Park. Michael found a way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got to say, when I see the game in motion as well, it's it, it's really quick. It's quite uh, intense. And like you said, the, the gore is... Uh, the camera's uh, the, all over the camera and stuff. It's, uh, it's a really good-looking game, actually. Uh, and don't forget about that third element... Like I get the the pleasure of editing a lot of uninterrupted pre-alpha gameplay footage that has you know Tim Kitzrow from NBA Jam saying these lines and I'm busting a gut laughing at 2 a.m. and right now I'm in Canada at relative's house. They're like, "What did your computer just say?" I'm like, "Oh, he's talking about softballs on the football field." And they're just like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yep, that's a football game." I'm like, "Oh yeah, it is." <laughs> so like, the humor is like that that third icing on the cake that so many games don't take advantage of. Mm -hmm. And this is just this will make you just like, you know, literally laugh out loud with some of the stuff you don't expect to hear. You know, the yeah. game shines the most when you are basically playing with your friends, right? You're at the house, you're sitting on the living room couch, you've got your buds over, you crack open some beers, and the beauty of the game is watching your friend's face, you know, contort when you take out his all-star quarterback <laughs> when the game is up on the line with a chainsaw. Oh. And that's the game, that's the magic of the game because you will spit out your beer laughing, he will whip <laughs> his controller down on the ground screaming, and like that's how memories get made. And and that's just like, that's why people love the game. It's that, that multiplayer kind of experience yeah. that um, Mutant League is just such a, such a natural for. Mm -hmm. And then you throw in the Tim Kids row and you throw in the comedy and the bombs and everything. It's just complete mayhem and outrageousness. And it just takes people away, you know, for 20, 25 minutes someplace else. Yeah, it, it looks good and it, it's probably, you know, hilarious. So everyone should back it. Uh, right now, so we're recording this um, on the 22nd. So, you know, um, one week before people are listening to this. And so at the moment, 
you uh, you're sitting on 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 let's see $99,711. So basically $100,000, right? Uh, um, hey, don't say it until it's there. That's a yeah, let's, on just round it up. And, like, turn around. Okay, so <laughs> right now when people are listening to this on Radio Sega, we're sitting on $120,000. Uh, $200,000 perhaps. There right? we go. That's the attitude I like to hear. <laughs> and so you're, you, you still got a, a few um, stretch goals to to meet so for example people already unlocked alien sh species uh space field a new character species um playoff and mayhem bowl play modes and you, you've got more you have new teams coming if people can can meet those goals halftime minigame right uh, anything right. any of these to, that you'd like to to mention and you know tease people with Well, I mean, the thing that everybody wants is they want their season, right? That's mm -hmm. the one that everybody wants. That's the, you get to play the season, and if you make it, you go into the playoffs, and then you get to play in the Mayhem Bowl. And that is actually our final stretch goal. And, um, you know, I think we have a reasonable shot to get there. Um, the game, first and foremost, is a multiplayer game, but uh, the season... Is something that people like to play kind of a solo and single player mode mm -hmm. even though you'll be able to play it in multiplayer and uh that that's really the one everybody wants so we'll we'll see fingers crossed yeah. well as we've so, said you know number of times uh, on the kickstarter page and in the community that that's going to come it's just a matter of is it going to come at launch or is it going to come down the road and i think that's important for everybody to know but what i like about it Even if it's not right away, it's like that old school approach, man. You get the notebook out, you start doing your own little fan schedule between you and your friends, and you kind of make your own season in the interim. And then you have your own playoffs. I think that's real fun, and that is like super retro. And I think, you know, we're missing a lot of that interaction and sitting on mm -hmm. the couch with beers trying to follow that schedule. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Safe, Safe Co-op, and uh, yeah, I... I... I love the idea of being able to sit there with mates and just, yeah, play some games, uh, maybe even do a season together. That sounds excellent. Yeah, and the season's going to be in. Really what this stretch goal is about is can we get the season in, you know, prior to launch? Mm. Um, and that extra money would allow us to hire a couple guys, which would give us uh, a pretty good shot at getting it in. But... We never were like not planning on having a season. It would just be coming later, right? It'd be coming three months after ship. Right. Yeah. I think so. the cool thing with all these stretch goals too, that's you know been understated, is that most of these came from the community as suggestions. So what I like about what Michael and his dev team do is they just listen to people. Like you heard Michael reach out to the angriest people from the last campaign mm -hmm. to find out what they wanted. So. A lot of people like to have their voices heard, and here's, you know, a company, Digital Dreams, that wants to include the people in this, like, exclusive chance, and that's what Kickstarter is all about for me, you know, a chance for you to participate in the creation of something. So all these stretch goals and their kind of order of importance was really determined by, by the community. So if you start backing now, Michael is very quick to put out updates and throw questions to people, so you'll have a chance to basically weigh in with your voice, and it's, it's something that's very valued by all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it's great that you you keep updating the the you know the, the people who pledged towards the the Kickstarter project. You know, giving them a, a new 
so all the news that keep happening. Um, Every 45 minutes, Michael is pushing another update out. I, know. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> there are like some people that go, you know, the demo, like my guys die, but they come back the next play. I thought this game was supposed to be, you know, that's where the resurrection guys, dirty trick. Yeah, right. Where <laughs> you guys, yeah, you, guys, you, you want people want to permit that, right? Right. And so what we did was, you know, somebody was asking me and then a couple other people asked. And then, you know, we said, all right, turn on deaths, give them an option. They can play with deaths that kind of are permanent or they can, you know, have the resurrection mode on. And we just did that update last night. And now we're letting people play it. And I'm probably going to run a contest in a couple days to see who can, uh, you know, get the forfeit before halftime in the shortest amount of time. <laughs> and that helps me because we, we have a couple, you know, savants playing this game that can do things I didn't even think were possible. And they can find I don't know if it's, don't know if it's savants or Photoshop wizards, because this these are some unbelievable things I've seen trickle through on my really? It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> they find awesome. exploits, and we look at their output logs, and we can look at the logs, and we can see if they're cheating or not. And no, I mean, one guy... He could control, like he could switch players so fast and put a speed burst on him on a like a super dive and get three defenders to hit the ball carrier at the exact same time consistently to kill him, cause a fumble, pick up the ball and score. Wow. <laughs> For the record, cheating is something we encourage in this game. It's just part of the yeah, nature, right? It's part of the... Uh, so well, if you're a cheater, this is the game for you. Well, Here we... You when we saw that exploit, obviously we fixed it. But, you know, they found the exploit and we fixed it. So they can't do that anymore, but, you know, it was kind of cool. Yeah, great. Yeah, cheaters, so community cheaters QA, made some right? villains. You're all welcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Guys that can play games like that, yeah, they, they're more than welcome on my QA team any day. <laughs> Yeah, and so your your uh, latest update also mentions um, <clears throat> the the killing the ref uh, trick as well. Yeah. Um, let's see. You when can your friend, uh, when you're, the guy you're playing against bribes the ref. The ref that's bribed, you know, will start calling bullshit plays on your team. Yeah. So if you <laughs> score a touchdown, the ref will come out and go. Nope, that's a penalty. The, the orc farted, right? So it's a 10-yard penalty. And you get your touchdown taken away, and your only resort is to re-bribe the ref, and you each get one bribe per half. Or you could just simply kill him, and then the bribe dies with the ref. <laughs> that, I like that. That's that's definitely my go-to play. Kill the ref. <laughs> if only that play existed in real life sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right. There's a few people I would like to maybe execute that dirty trick with. Yeah. Or, or you can just kill the ref for the, the heck of it, right? <laughs> Even if it, he's not bribed, you know, everyone likes to kill the ref. ref so I seem to remember in know. the original game, a new ref would come on and they'd be like a bit tougher. And if you killed that one, they a new one would come on and he'd be even stronger. Yep. Is that the same for the, this version, or have you just got an endless uh, supply of, of referees on the sideline there? 
Well, we just started. Um, well, you have to be able to kill the ref, right? So yeah, sure. I think you were kind of more imagining that in the original game than it actually working that way. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but I like that idea, and I did write it down. Um... <laughs> Thanks for the donation. Yeah, no, no, no problems. <laughs> I, I like the fact that the refs get a little harder every time they just they have to be killable because when you're playing multiplayer and you go to kill the ref what happens is um say you're player one and you're killing the ref well player two has control of the ref so if player two can run him out of bounds before he gets killed then the other team gets a 10-yard penalty for trying to kill the ref but the bribed ref is still alive right yeah, I yeah. like this. All of a sudden, it's now no longer at the actual ball, but the referee and trying to protect the referee and try to kill the referee. That's so. Yeah, cool. That might be a fun little halftime mini game where everybody gets to kill the referee. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know, yeah, exactly. That you know, you should you should include that. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, that's on. Soon, I'm gonna have to start paying you guys for all these ideas. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> So people should uh, definitely back this project, okay? So, um, and hopefully when this airs on Radio Sega, um, we'll, we'll have, you know, more than, you know, $150,000. Uh, <laughs> well, we hope so. by the time it, it airs on, on, you know, Radio Sega that we're in the unfortunate problematic position of hitting all our stretch goals and having to come up with new ways to drive people to the campaign and, and new narratives to kind of discuss and updates. That, uh, yeah. that are more frequent at the 35 minute interval instead of 45 minutes as they are right now that would be great <laughs> yeah. yeah okay okay so awesome um, so we, we've been talking for a while um, we, we'd like to play some, some music from the game and you guys got some, some stuff for us to, to play um, really quickly uh, who's behind the music for, for Mutant Football League okay so uh, that would be Brian Schmidt and Brian Schmidt has a stoic career in the video game industry. He's done um, Desert Strike, Crew Ball. I mean, his list of credits just goes on and on. He's a brilliant composer. He's my friend. He also did the music for the original Mutant League football game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I went on my hands and knees and begged Brian to, to come on board and help us with this title. And he said, sure, I'd be glad to because he's the nicest, nicest guy on the planet. Awesome. And so we're going to play um, music from, from the game and we'll be right back with the surprise we have for you guys. Okay. So keep listening to us. This is Radio Sega. You're listening to the Sega Lounge.
some blast processing to your day. This is Radio Sega. From the 90s to the present, take a trip back in time with A Winner Was You as he looks back at the Sega games that defined his life. Memories of Sega. This week, we'll be looking at the 8-bit version of the original Sonic the Hedgehog, which was released on the Master System in 1991. This particular version was developed by Ancient, the very same development team who worked on the original Streets of Rage. While it has the same plot and base gameplay of the Mega Drive version, the 8-bit incarnation is nonetheless a very different game. Not only are three of the zones completely new, but the gameplay has been uh, tweaked somewhat. For instance, when you get hit, you're unable to recover any lost rings, so you have to start collecting them from scratch again. The Chaos Emeralds are now also hidden in the levels themselves, as opposed to the Mega Drive version where you've got them in the special stages. This adds even more of an exploration element to the game, as you still need those emeralds to get the true ending. There are still special stages, but these now take on the form of a spring and bumper filled maze where you can find extra lives to continue. The game is also a little bit harder than its 16 bit counterparts, especially in the boss stages where you have no rings, thus can't afford to take any hits whatsoever. It all adds up to an experience that more of a matches its more powerful counterpart. My first experience with this version was most likely in an Argos catalogue, I can't remember exactly. I do however know the first time I played it was actually with one of the kids in my street. He had the game, and he showed it to me one day. I was actually quite surprised at how different it was to the Mega Drive version, and was less than competent at it when I had my first go. Let's just say I couldn't even get past the first bad nick. The next chance to play the game came a few months later, when one of the kids at school said I could borrow the game for a bit. I did indeed get the game, and I played the hell out of it that weekend, and did a lot better than the first time. However, I struggled a fair bit on the bridge zone, then came completely unstuck on the jungle zone. I definitely found it a tough one to crack. Over the next few months, I get to have a game a few more times. I rented it out from the local video shop a few times, and I also borrowed it from a kid who lived behind my childminder's place as well. Ultimately, I was able to beat the game in that time, Chaos Emeralds and all. Even after all that, I still wanted to actually own the game, and I finally would on my birthday that year, along with Asterix, another Master System favourite of mine. It was great to finally have it, and I played it through many more times to come, until I got so good at it I could actually beat the game without losing a single life. Perhaps my favourite memory of the game came when I was reading the letters page in an issue of Sega Force magazine. One particular letter boasted of the high score he got, which also included a high number of remaining lives and all emeralds. At the end of the letter he said, let's see someone try and beat that, and I thought, challenge accepted. So I played through the game once again, playing carefully to avoid losing any lives and picking up as many extras as I could. In the end, I not only just about got more lives, but also managed to beat the high score mentioned in the letter. I didn't send a letter back to say, ha, I managed to beat your score, but I did have a bit of smug satisfaction after that. What more can I say? Sonic 1 may be running on weaker hardware here, but it really does shine even when you put it next to the Mega Drive version. It still looks great and moves just as fast as its 16-bit counterparts, and music is easily good as well. Oddly enough, it just so happened to have been composed by none other than Yuzo Koshiro himself. A fact I wouldn't find out for nearly 20 years. Koshiro did a great job not only with remixing a classic Green Hill theme, but with all the new music made just for this version. Most of all, it's just a joy to play. It's just on the right side of challenging, and the levels are all fun to explore. Any Sonic fan worth his salt needs to try this version, even, or perhaps especially, those who know the Mega Drive version inside and out. Not only is it a whole new experience, but it's a wonderful one to boot.
memories of Sega. Guess they're amazing, they're stars. But are they ready for the Sega Lounge Challenge? It can be a quiz in reverse music, it can be anything we want. Welcome, welcome to your duel. I mean, welcome to the Sega Lounge Challenge. Hey, okay. There's no math involved. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it can be anything. You know, it can be anything. So uh, we thought, well, you, know, you guys are doing a game about football, right? Um, and so we thought, let's let's try a challenge that is related to football, and test your knowledge of basically uh, Super Bowls. Okay. Super Bowl uh, results in the last few years. Okay. So do you think you guys can do it? Do you think no. you know who won the Super Bowl at random yeah. times? Michael's got this. I, got, I, got, I nominate him team captain. Yeah? <laughs> you can either play co-op or against each other. It's, it's oh, I don't like those. Oh, We're talking Stanley Cup. Against each other? <laughs> right. each of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Here we go. Job security. <laughs> okay, so let's let's uh, you, we, we have five different dates here and we have uh, in, so these are multiple choice questions where you have you can listen to the choices and, and pick one so let's start with number one uh, Super Bowl number 10 January 18th 1976 oh I remember that <laughs> oh, I this is a classic uh, game classic right so who won the Super Bowl that year Option A. Uh, well, that was the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers, right? <laughs> oh, no way. Uh, so, do you would you like to listen to the, the options first, or that is that your final answer? Um, I can listen to the options. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we have, we have option A: Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, there it option is. Option D. <laughs> option B: Dallas Cowboys. And option C, Los Angeles Rams. Um, so, I'm sticking with the Steelers because they played Dallas in that game, I'm pretty sure. All right, well, I'm going to go with Dallas just to be different. <laughs> and so we got a drum roll? correct option is <laughs> option A, Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey. <laughs> You guys should give Rob an easy one. Ask him who won the 1985 Super Bowl. 
Uh, actually, we don't have 1985, but we have 1986, right? Oh, yeah. Would you like to go with number two, Dean? Yeah, let's do it. So, um, Super Bowl 20, this one. Uh, do you remember this one, Michael? Um, I think it's going to be a struggle for me, but go ahead. Okay, so it's uh, an option between the New England Patriots, uh, Buffalo Bills, or the Chicago Bears. It's got to be the Bears. Oh, it's the Bears, baby. Okay, so you're both going for the Bears? Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the correct one yet. answer is C. Yeah, it is the Bears. Well done. <laughs> Excellent. Indeed. Well done. Well done. Let's go number three. You're doing great so far. So, number three. <laughs> the greatest defense in NFL history. <laughs> yeah, so they won 46-10 to, uh, against yeah, the they, England Patriots. The first two playoff, playoff games were shutouts. Never been done before. Wow. Can you tell what city Michael lives in? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he knows his stuff. Okay, so number three. Super Bowl 32. Uh, January 25th, 1988. So option A, the Denver Broncos. Option B, Tennessee Titans. Option C, the Green Bay Packers. Broncos. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Why? No. No, I'm I'm doing none of the above. Oh, <laughs> that's a that's a curveball, I guess. <laughs> okay, why is that? <laughs> what year are you talking about? Uh, 1998. Oh, I'm sorry, I mis <laughs> misunderstood you. Okay, 1998. Quit googling over there. Yeah, <laughs> hear, the, hear the keyboard the typing. <laughs> I'm sending okay. a Skype message to bribe the host at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go with Rob's pick. So, the Denver Broncos. Indeed! Nice. That's right. Exactly. The Denver Broncos won against the Green Bay Packers. 31-24. <clears throat> okay. okay uh, um, Dean, question four. four. Uh, this is from the Super, Super Bowl 40. February the 5th, 2006. Um, who won? Is it A, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, B, Seattle Seahawks, or C, the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's Steelers, C. I don't... I'm going to pick the Steelers as well. Don't keep... Pick, pick, don't <laughs> pick the same one as me. I'll never get a point ahead on you to tie. <laughs> hey, I like that strategy. If he, if he continuously picks the same one as you, then he's going to win. One dollar. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was the Pittsburgh Steeler. You're correct. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> okay. Last one. Last one. So, <clears throat> Super Bowl 49, uh, February 1st, 2015. So this is recent, right? You get no options. Who won? Michael, you pick first. Okay, that you're talking this year's Super Bowl? No, 2015. Okay, um, who won? I I don't know. <laughs> so, okay, I'll give you the options. So, option A, the New England Patriots. Option B, Seattle Seahawks. Option C, Denver Broncos. Uh, 
I'll go first. I'll say New England. Uh oh, the pressure's on. <laughs> I'm going to say the Broncos. Okay. So, Dean, who is right and who is wrong? Michael, I'm afraid that you are right. Yeah, it was the New England Patriots. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I went for it. Unfortunately for, for Rob, no, no. Unlucky, so, unlucky. The New England Patriots. That's my alarm sound every well, morning. Well, Rob was hoping this was going to be about Martin Scorsese films. Yeah, it wouldn't have hurt. Yeah. Next time, next yeah, time. Next time. Okay. When we talk about the Mutant Football League biopic movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's it's been fun, guys. Thank you for for taking part in our challenge. You get the Sega Lounge seal of approval, um, which will eventually, you know, make. Actually, we have a. <laughs> will we? Will we make it? I don't think we will. <laughs> yeah, we, we we have one already. I'll I'll send it to you guys. In the, I don't the... need any animals over here. No seals at all, or otters <laughs> or walruses. No? Okay, so you know you you'll get one anyway. No, I, I just sent it your way. So that's our seal of approval now. Uh, a seal with a two thumbs up. Uh, so thank you for taking part. Uh, it's been fun. So would you like to, uh, you know, add anything, you know, to, you know, to the people? Tell anything else about the project? Any final words before we? Yeah. Go? Well, I'd like to urge everybody to go to Kickstarter. Um, the name of the game is Mutant Football League MFL. It's a buck. We'll send you a Steam key if you have an Xbox One controller or a DualShock 4 uh, that plays on the PC. You can play the game. You can give it a test drive. Check it out yourself. We have like a 92 conversion rate going with people that play the preview uh, end up liking it and going and getting the game. So we can use everybody's help want to thank all of our backers i want to thank rob who's awesome and um thank you guys for having us on it was fun wow thanks for okay that was the soft sell that was the soft sell i'm gonna have to do the hard <laughs> sell you already know the game is good so don't even try to back the dollar level what you guys got to do especially you know for for the channel you're listening to here you've got to back the genesis case level yes. 65 bucks you get a retro genesis case you get some cards in there you get something special with michael's signature plus there's other rewards here like you can name a player after you and it just goes above and beyond there there's also a really cool statue that you could have on your desk as well so trust me get those rewards now because they're exclusive to this campaign everybody this whole show has told you how good this game is get those exclusive limited rewards that are physical because you know how gaming is today it's going digital so this is your chance to actually have something that becomes an artifact yeah. great that's why Rob is so awesome right there yeah that's a good yeah. that was a good sell just, just <laughs> one thing missing or you'll die yeah <laughs> By order, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so Mutant Football League. Um, if you're listening to us live, we're sharing um, the the link in our social media, uh, as we did last week and the week before. But we're also adding uh, the link to the podcast description. So if you're listening to the podcast, the recording version of 
the show, you'll also be able to click it and go straight to the Kickstarter project. It's almost over, so you know, don't waste any time if you're uh, wanting to find out more about this and to back the project. Get on it, people. Michael, Rob, Sweet. thank you so much Thanks, for guys. coming on the, the Sega Lounge. Um, all the best for the Kickstarter project, and we hope to see you again when the game releases, so you can you know, can come back and talk about uh, the final product if you want. Definitely, okay? we'd love to. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Thanks, and guys. as for you guys, you'll keep listening to us. We'll be right back with more the Sega Lounge right here on Radio Sega. different guest sega music news and whatever else we can think of the sega lounge only on radio sega okay welcome back to the sega lounge uh, it's time for our after hours segment i hope you've enjoyed our interview with michael Mendheim uh, and rob mccallum of Mutant Football League. And so speaking of which, um, let's just give you know give you a, a status update on how the Kickstarter project is doing. So we've uh, we're recording this 
uh, on Wednesday, so not on the day the show is airing. So at this point, um, how how are things looking right now? Uh, I'm pretty damn good, I would say. Uh, they, at the moment, they have one hundred and thirteen thousand. Uh, seven hundred and forty-one dollars. Uh, so and two thousand five hundred and fifty-one backers with five days to go. So as we said in the interview, they've definitely reached their their um, goal, but there are stretch goals still out there um, that can be achieved. So yeah, they, they they've uh, as we alluded to in the uh, interview, they've broken that uh, one hundred thousand mark, which is great news. Yep. So the, the, the main stretch goal is the full season, to have a full season of, right. on the game, right? And so that's like uh, $16,000 away. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, you, you need, they need to get $129,000 for the full season to become a reality. Mm -hmm. At least it, it will become a reality, but it will, if they get the money now, they can make it you know, happen faster. So not, not, too much money, not, not that big of a, of a difference and of a, a stretch goals right now. So people, I think, can can make it happen with five days to go. It's just yeah. a matter of, of uh, pledging a few bucks or pounds yeah. or euros or kangaroos if you're in Australia. I don't know. Just, is the official currency of Australia? Of uh, in my head, it will always be kangaroos. <laughs> <laughs> Please send me your hate mail. KC@radiosega.net. <laughs> I, I thought you. I say so thought you were about to give them my email address then. <laughs> oh yeah. No one. That ever, no one ever emails you. Remember? Uh, yeah, just I know. Your mom, yeah. Just your mum. Just your mum. Guys, email me, please. <laughs> Subsection at gmail.com. I'm so lonely. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So uh, get on it, people. Um, if you're listening to the podcast version of the show, we'll share the link to the podcast uh, to the to the Kickstarter project on on the podcast notes. Uh, if you're listening in live on on Radio Sega, we'll we'll share the links as well on social media. So it's it's easy to just find uh, Mutant Football League on Kickstarter. Uh, that being said, we also have news on uh, the other Kickstarter project we've been talking about for the past few weeks, the Sega Mega Drive Collected Works reprint. Uh, again, such a good book, such an amazing book. Everyone should own one of these. And so uh, they currently have three days to go and the, the project has been funded. So that's awesome news. Uh, they've got 37,620 uh, pounds, not dollars, pounds, of their 35,000 uh, pounds goal. <laughs> yeah, Please. so uh, it's it's great that, that it's been it's been funded. Uh, if you haven't uh, you know pledged towards this project yet, you should. You totally should because it's an amazing book. Uh, it's got great content. Uh, you know, it's got great artwork, some awesome uh, design documents as well that you can see and read for yourself. So it's really worth the the price. And um, I think the I think you get the book just by do, 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 let's see, just by pledging thirty five pounds. Or you could pledge seventy pounds and get two books, Casey, and then you could give one of those books to someone else, Casey. Okay. Or you can use it as a weapon because it's a really heavy book. 
So read <laughs> one, use the other one as a weapon. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not a good idea. No. Yeah, I'm sorry for that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, three days to go. So two days if you're listening to this on Radio Sega. Uh, and still time, plenty of time to, to back this awesome project by Read Only Man. Very good. Yep, and in other news, we, you have uh, something else to talk about, right? I need fruit. Oh, yeah, music. Yes. Um, Data Discs, as we all know, are continuing their mission of putting awesome Sega tunes to vinyl records. And this month, they've got uh, Data 010, Galaxy Force 2, and Thunderblade. And those two soundtracks, you know, are just absolutely amazing. Especially Galaxy Force 2, I think it's just absolute quality. Um, go and request some on Radio Sega and check out the SST band versions of Galaxy Force 2 as well, they're great. But um, yeah, they're selling um, uh, 180 gram vinyls for um, 19.99. Head over to datadisc.com if you're a record collector and like game music. Gotta do it, gotta do it. I, I keep kind of looking and toting up like, oh, I'll just grab Shenmue this, this, this month. Oh, and I might as well get Super Hang On. <laughs> and then by the time it gets to my basket, it's eighty pounds worth of Sega music. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> so good! But yeah, yeah. that's been eighty pounds. <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, and and all discs look amazing. I gotta say, yeah, this. especially oh, if you can get some of those coloured vinyls. Let's see what they've got for the Galaxy Force Two and Thunderblade One. They've got translucent yellow, which mm-hmm. you know, pretty cool. But then they've got that. That frosted clear and translucent yellow with white splatter it looks so awesome. It looks like it's an like... eyeball, right? Yeah, right, definitely. <laughs> uh, what, what? The well, white and yellow one? Yeah, the, the the frosted clear and translucent yellow with the the you know oh, the black the okay. black oh, the okay. black you know Eyes. rounded thing on 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 the center so on the middle. Yeah, so, yeah, I yeah. see the black, the pupil. Yeah, it's. I was like about to say, like, what pupil, kind of yeah. eyes have you? What kind of eyes do you have, Casey, if they're just like bright yellow? <laughs> yeah. to the hospital, dude. <laughs> I'm a weird person. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, apparently they're all sold out, but then the, in brackets, the leaf says, don't worry, it's not sold out. So, like, think that one. Yeah, so it's a bit confusing, but if they say it's not sold out, well, you just have to wait until the 4th. So, mm-hmm. this Saturday, you can apparently uh, order um, a few a few extra copies perhaps but you know how this goes it, it sells out quickly so you need to be gotta go fast gotta go fast gotta go fast indeed yeah okay so that's that's uh, some nice uh, nice little things and uh, you know money grabbing things you can you can you know spend your yeah. allowance or payroll on um, just Go do it because that's what people do with the money they, they earn. They just spend don't it spend on money. video game don't and music it. things. Sensible, you know. Spend it on Sega items. That's what you want. Oh, <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we really should be paid by Sega. The out we put, we push their products. <laughs> Maybe we are. Maybe we secretly are. No, we're not. Oh, no, we're not. You get paid? No, are you no I, I don't. No. Well, I have to pay you to be on this show, so how does that work? <laughs> well, you pay me, Sega pays me as well, so I get money from everyone. Everyone! And people even pay to listen to this show. 
There we go. And right yeah, now, people are, are like, what? Am I yeah. paying for this? <laughs> Am I paying for this yeah. piece of... Yeah. Uh, anyway, bleep. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, yeah, it's been fun. Thank you for listening to the Sega Lounge. Uh, people, I hope you enjoyed this this episode. Um, we are going to take a quick break of one or two weeks, uh, so a no show for the next couple of weeks or something, because we're uh, we need to regroup and uh, you know get some more guests and do some more things um, that you guys will never know about, or maybe mm. you will. I don't know. Uh, really. <laughs> way of saying that you'll be playing Zelda uh, I, I will definitely be playing <laughs> Zelda yeah I will definitely be playing Zelda but I, I was also planning on uh, having a few extra interviews um, you know recorded in the past couple of weeks but unfortunately uh, our guests um, weren't available so we, we need to you know, get some time off to, to take care of that uh, we'll be back you know hopefully Let's see, so two weeks from now, uh, it should be on the, the, the 16th, if I'm not mistaken, the 16th, yes, March 16th should be when we come back with another new episode of the Sega Lounge. Until then, you know, just keep enjoying all other uh, Radio Sega shows. Go to radiosega slash shows. Don't forget that this Sunday marks the return of Andy. Uh, with uh, Radio Sega Sunday Funday. So Radio Sega Sunday Funday is back this Sunday, the 5th, at 8 p.m. GMT. So that's something awesome uh, to for you to enjoy this, this weekend. Um, all other shows, radiose.ga slash shows. Anit Fruit, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's thank always you for a pleasure, me. always a blast to have you co-host. Um, we'll see you all, you know, when we come back in two weeks but we'll leave you with some music and so um, putting you on the spot right now uh, would you like to you know request a, a Galaxy Force 2 track for us to win oh. the show on yeah for sure let me uh, let me just <laughs> there's, there's a certain range that I, I need to go to radiosega.net that's what I need to do oh you can people can I, do that yeah, and I need to go to playlist and requests. Oh my god, that's amazing! Playlist and requests. Yes, please do go on. Galaxy Force Two, which Ooh. is yeah. Oh, and then I need to change it to game name, not track name. I always make that mistake. Ooh. Here we go. Oh, you know what? Let's just go for a very simple Beyond the Galaxy H arranged version. Okay, you got it. So that's how we're ending the show with the H H. A range version of Beyond the Galaxy. Thank you for listening. Uh, keep tuned into Radio Sega. We play the best Sega music 24/7, and we'll see you all next time. Bye bye.
enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.